Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Thanks again for joining me, and I hope that you are being challenged in this series on marriage. But even if you're not married, I hope that you're challenged on these biblical principles, because these principles that we're talking about, namely regarding speech at the present time, are critically important for every believer in in every aspect of life. If you're a parent communicating with a child, if you're an employee or an employer, uh, you have to communicate in your company. If you're part of a leadership team, you need to communicate uh, amongst the leaders. Each one of these areas of life requires good and biblical communication. And we need to be be honest with one another. And communication is hard. It takes a lot of work to understand the people that you are communicating with. So let me begin this lesson on communicating through speech with a question. And the question is, did you know that I can fit both feet in my mouth at the same time? I actually received a keychain from a friend in college one time that had that exact quote on it. I'm so talented, I can fit both feet in my mouth at the same time. Some of us, myself included, and and really the spotlight is on me, have a knack for putting our foot in our mouths more than other people do. Some of us uh, spout off and we don't always think before we speak. That was one of my dad's primary mantras to us, uh, me and my brothers when we were growing up, which is think before you speak and also don't do stupid. Those were the two things that we heard over and over again. Um, I did better at learning that lesson and applying it sometimes than at other times. And that's why my friend gave me the keychain about fitting both feet in my mouth at the same time. Now, what do we recognize about this? We can laugh about it, and certainly I'm, I'm willing to laugh about that because it's part of my past, it's part of my history, it's true, but I hope that I've grown from that. What we ought to recognize, whether you're somebody who puts your foot in your mouth or you're as quiet as the mouse in the church, your speech, or lack thereof, communicates your internal thoughts to the world. And, and if your speech is communicating your internal thoughts to the world, this can be for better or for worse. It could be for better or for worse. Now, if we were to just go to the concordance and look at speech, we could see that speech and tongue uh, is connected with both positive and negative or sinful speech acts in the Bible. So here are some examples. Our speech can be true or truthful. Our speech can bring praise, it can be noble, it can be gentle, edifying, and there are other things that our speech can do that are positive and encouraging. With our words, we proclaim the gospel, for example. Now, our speech also can be negative, and I would say it's not just negative, it it is sinful. At least that's how it is phrased in the Bible. It is sinful speech. What would that be? That would be deceitful. It would be speech that is nonsensical. It can be different forms of anger or different expressions of anger. It could be slander, gossip, or malice. These are all 
speech acts that are sinful according to the Word of God. And what I want to do today and in the next couple of lessons is I want to talk about the speech acts that we commit, some of the motivation behind them, and how we can grow away from doing sinful speech acts and grow towards doing speech acts that bring honor and glory to God. The first foundational truth that we need to understand, however, when we talk about our speech and how it communicates to other people, the first foundational truth is this, that there is a a connection between what words come out of your mouth and the thoughts that are in your heart. So in many ways, your mouth is a window to your heart. Now, when we talk about heart, we're talking about your inner self. These are your thoughts, your intentions, your desires. We are talking about some of the things that are, that are deep and personal. Sometimes they are things that you want to keep hidden, but you blurt out. Sometimes um, there are things that you know you should say, that you should communicate, but you're fearful and you don't communicate those things. We understand that our speech is a window to your heart because of what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 15. Now, in Matthew 15, Jesus is, has a confrontation with the Pharisees. And in this confrontation, the Pharisees accused Jesus of breaking the, trans, uh, the traditions of the elders. Basically, in verse 2, they're saying, your disciples break their traditions of the elders by not washing their hands when they eat bread. And Jesus, uh, in response to them, replies this, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? And Jesus goes on to point out a couple of things that the Pharisees do. But what he says in verse 11 is extremely critical to understand. Jesus says in verse 11 that it is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but that which proceeds out of the mouth, that is what defiles the man. And so the disciples come to Jesus and they say, don't you know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? And of course, Jesus knew the Pharisees were offended. And that was the whole purpose. He was trying to get the Pharisees to see that it wasn't the outward actions that they partook in. It wasn't the outward deeds that they performed that made them right with God. It was, what was the character of their inner person? What was the character of their inner man? And so in verse 15, Peter says to Jesus, explain this parable to us, okay? And Jesus says to Peter, are you still lacking in understanding? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and slanders. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. The basic point of what Jesus is saying is this. What you speak reveals who you are. And Jesus' purpose in making this analogy, giving the parable, and then explaining it to the disciples is this. He was exposing the Pharisees as non-believers. In other words, their heart was impure. Their heart was far from God, even though they were, quote-unquote, 
doing good works and obeying the traditions to honor God, their heart was really far from God. And so when people speak, that often exposes the truth that are present in the person's inner self. Are we believers or are we unbelievers? Now, even further, for believers, let's just, let's just um, assume for a moment that everybody is a believer who's listening to this, that we're, we're all believers operating from that uh, standpoint. What principle do we draw from this? Even as believers, we can have sinful attitudes, actions, and philosophies that reside in our heart. We have parts of us that, um, while we've been totally redeemed, our thinking has not been totally redeemed. Right? There are parts of mind renewal and mind transformation that still need to occur. And our speech often reveals those areas of mind renewal and transformation that need to occur. Now, James, the Apostle James, writing after the death of Jesus, at the beginning of the church, asserts that this problem is one that many believers have. And what is the problem? The problem is an inability to tame the tongue, or an inability to perhaps reform and transform the inner person so that the tongue reflects a transformed way of thinking rather than a sinful, unregenerate way of thinking. And it's critical to understand that though you are immediately saved when you confess faith in Jesus Christ and you repent of your sins, that there is a lifetime of transformation that occurs from the moment of your salvation until the moment that you die. We call this process sanctification. And our speech often reveals the areas of sanctification that we need to continue to work on and improve. When James is talking to the church, he points out the dangers of the tongue. Look, he says in verse 8, No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things not ought to be this way. And then I think James, through an analogy, reveals that the tongue reflects the heart, for the heart is the wellspring of life, correct? Proverbs 4.23, the heart is the wellspring of life. In verse 11, James makes a reference back to this verse in Proverbs. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. James's point is that if you have a renewed heart, renewed by the blood of Jesus Christ, if you are born again, then there should be no cursing that comes out of your heart, no cursing that comes out of your mouth. There should be a radical transformation in how we speak compared to how unbelievers speak. And it was obvious from James's letter that that wasn't occurring in the church there that he was writing to. And sadly, that, that doesn't occur in many of our churches as well. We struggle with the same issues. We continue to think in an unredeemed way. We have not completed the process of 
transforming our mind. The conclusion then that we draw from this is that our tongue reveals areas that we have yet to bring into submission to the Word of God. Changing patterns of speech, changing types of speech, changing the way you think so that your speech changes is extremely difficult, yet it is an essential part of our sanctification. So let's talk about breaking some sinful speech habits. One of the great emphases in the New Testament is on the transformation of speech. Why is this? Well, it's because the types of speech that we partake in, the patterns of speech that we grow used to, are often difficult to overcome. When we are lost in our trespasses and sins, we are feeding our flesh with all the the sin and wickedness that it will tolerate. That, That doesn't mean we're as wicked or as sinful as we possibly could be. But what it means is every part of our being is corrupt, and we develop patterns in our corrupt actions, in our corrupt behavior, that translate into our spiritual lives. And if we're not willing to examine those patterns, if we're not willing to to grow and change those things, then there's a real problem with our confession of faith. That's how Christians become hypocritical. We say we need to change, but we're not willing to do the work on our own, on our own selves, to change ourselves. As I've already mentioned, the New Testament places a great emphasis on transforming speech. Why? Because it is the one most clearly obvious thing that will differentiate us from unbelievers. Think about that. Our speech is the one thing that clearly differentiates us from unbelievers. Look at, in Galatians chapter 5, look at the contrast between the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit. I'm going to read uh, verses... All right, I'm going to read verses 19 through 21. And you pay attention to how many fruits of the flesh involve the tongue. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, that is sexual immorality, and impurity, that is sexual impurity. Many times our sexual impurity is expressed through the tongue. Sensuality, idolatry, sorceries, enmities. Enmities are conflicts between one another. Strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. When you consider that list, a great number of those fruits of the flesh involve the tongue. It's safe to assume that you, prior to your salvation, were practicing a great many of those uh, fruits of the flesh that involve the tongue. Because of this, it's imperative that when you begin the process of sanctification, you start getting rid of those fruits of the flesh. 
That doesn't mean that you won't stumble in them or struggle in them every now and then, but you need to grow out of them. You need to put them off and put on the fruit of the Spirit, which is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And obviously, self-control is you know, tacked on there at the very end, but it's, it's really the key to, to growing in sanctification. You have to be disciplined to control your tongue. If we were to go back to the James passage that we were just in, James says it's very difficult to control the tongue, that no man can actually master the tongue. And I found that to be true in my own life, that there are speech habits that I was performing that were sinful. They were not right. And I worked hard to overcome those things so that that wasn't my normal practice. But every now and then, guess what rears its ugly head? One of those sinful speech habits or patterns. And I have to confess my sin and ask for forgiveness. And I ask the Lord to forgive me and, I'm, and I move on. And I move on with a, a, a renewed energy and effort to not do those things anymore. If you're going to break sinful speech habits, a critical question to answer is this. How humble are you willing to be? How humble are you willing to be? As with any sin, it takes a great deal of humility to confess that sin, to ask for accountability. It's often embarrassing to us. But if we are going to be followers of Christ— And if we are going to display Christ to one another in our marriages, we have to be extraordinarily humble to look at the sins that we are committing and to say, I'm, I'm stopping that. I need to quit that. I need somebody to tell me when I commit this sin so that it's pointed out to me regularly enough that I can break that habit and I can observe when it's happening. Will you be genuinely interested in examining the bad speech habits that you have cultivated over the years? Are you willing to bring them to the forefront of your thinking? Not in a morbid way, but so that you can be aware of them and correct them quickly when they occur. Are you willing to allow your sinful speech to be pointed out by your spouse? I hope that you are. Because I think you need to, if you're going to improve your speech in marriage, you need to be receptive to the one person who is with you often enough to hear the bad speech patterns. You know, I can be with friends from church. I can be around them. Um, There are a lot of things that I think that my friends can help me grow and overcome in. But you know, when you're with somebody for like an hour or two hours or, or maybe even four hours, you can, you can practice self-control for that period of time and kind of hide some of your, your sin from them. But when you're at home, that is like your, your respite. That is your place of comfort. And oftentimes when we are home in our place of comfort, that's when we feel the most free to express our, our sinfulness. So are you willing to let your spouse point these areas out? You should. It it often requires um, eating some humble pie. And I know that um, in my teaching, I I joke about this quite often, that 
we need to be willing to eat humble pie. But if we are going to chew, taste, and swallow humble pie, these nutrients from that humble pie will help us to grow in Christ likeness. I mean, one of the only ways that Jesus described himself, I should say one of the few ways that Jesus described himself on earth was that he was humble. Now, he, he was incredibly humbled going from ruling on the throne of heaven to living basically as a poor man in the nation of Israel. That's humbling. But he was extremely humble in succumbing to the temptations. He didn't partake in them, but he was around the temptations that every man faced. I'm sure Jesus was tempted at multiple times to say things that would have been sinful, and yet he chose not to. If our Savior could be humble, then we also ought to be humble, seeking to put our own image aside and promote Christ. That's our goal as Christians. We are to exalt ourselves less and exalt Christ more. Now, one caution I want to give you is that, you know, when you are pointing out your spouse's sin or your spouse's sinful speech, there can be appropriate times to do that and inappropriate times to do that. One thing you don't want to do is necessarily point that out in front of the dinner table or at the dinner table or in a situation that it could be quite embarrassing for them. Perhaps sometimes it's let it's good to let a speech act that is sinful pass by in the course of a conversation and then later go back to your spouse and say, you know, you said this and that was sinful. You need to repent from that. You need to stop doing that. Find a right time. Find the right moment to point these things out. Um, if you're the one receiving it, be willing to listen. All right, that's what we talked about in the last couple episodes is being willing to hear. That's an important part of communication. Another thing I would say is that as a, as a married couple, you don't want to make pointing out of sin the central topic of every conversation. It, it can be important to point out sin. It's essential to point out sin. But if every conversation that you have is going to be a pointing out of sin, that, that's going to be not as profitable as you really think. You're going to cultivate a, a type of morbid introspection that is weighted heavily towards the sin in your life and is not balanced out with the growth and the Christ-likeness that you have sought to achieve. In summary, if I could just encourage you to think about one thing from this whole lesson. It would be this, that your speech reveals the thoughts and intentions of your heart. Really consider that as you speak words to your spouse, as you speak words to your children, your speech reveals the thoughts and intentions of your heart. Now, in the next couple of lessons, we'll look at some of the specific commands in the New Testament to put off ungodly speech and to put on godly speech. And I Hope that you will tune in for those episodes in the coming weeks. 
May you be blessed as you put these truths into practice, and may your lives and your marriages bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ.